0: back it's now with dave brown on ami tv the piston ring world of wheels is returning to winnipeg the 48th annual custom car show takes place next month community reporter derek lackey has the details hey good morning derek good morning dave how's it going derek i'm good uh custom cars hey eh? so what's going to be shown off here at the piston ring world of wheels
1: Every year that we hold this event, it's always uh, new new paint jobs, new vehicles, uh, new concept vehicles, but it's, it's always the same. It's grease, it's gas, it's rubber, it's <laughs> wax. It's just walking around enjoying these beautiful pieces of artwork because some of these vehicles are just absolutely amazing. And the owners that have worked on them, it's listening to their artistic skills and the years it's taken to build them from everything from hot rods to custom motorcycles, to new age vehicles that have been uh, modified or souped up. And then to the new concept cars that are coming out, like the, you know, all automatic cars and everything. So it, it's really one of those, those shows that really encompasses something for everyone. And if you have ever Uh, had an appreciation for vehicles in your lifetime this is the place to go and meet these people
0: Uh, derek i know you used to work in the trades were you a gearhead too
1: uh you know what i quite enjoy uh taking things apart i never quite got as involved into vehicles Uh, i mean i did a lot of work when i had a big uh i had a big lifted ram uh with a roll bar and lights and everything when i was uh, working. So I, I did a lot of my own work and oil changes because you can almost sit up under it once it's lifted. But, um, you know, I, I never got into those, but, you know, pulling apart uh, heat pumps and pulling apart furnaces and a lot of that stuff, I quite enjoyed the micro details that were involved in and pulling these things apart in a sequence and then trying to figure out the problems and then put them back together so it's it's very it's very involving and it's very satisfying for me
0: what keeps you coming back to the event every year because i I can tell it clearly like hits you right
1: in the heart you know what it's uh, for me especially now it's it's that appreciation and love it's like man if i I just still had my eyesight and I could get myself behind the wheel in that car. Um, it, 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 it's really the draw of that, but some of these vehicles, just the thought and the detail that that's go into these, like I, I'm a much appreciative of the older vehicles, the Nova's, the SS's, the Chevelle's, um, you know, the, the old chargers and challengers, these old cars that these guys have taken years of time and money and detail and putting into these cars, and then when you hear the music of you know, a 454 big block fire up and the cams are pumping and the supercharger's whining, it just sends shivers down your spine because it's not only something that you have to visually enjoy, but when you can hear a motor like that fire up, you can feel it and you can enjoy it even when there's sight loss.
0: March 22nd to 24th at the RBC Convention Center in Winnipeg and Autorama.com to learn more. Autorama.com to learn more about the event. Okay, Derek, from uh, muscle cars and custom cars to heavy metal. So from one metal to a different different kind. You had a chance to attend the Pantera concert in Winnipeg a couple weeks ago. I know you were pretty jacked up about it. How was the show?
1: It was uh jacking we we should say <laughs> like it was just awesome you know we got there um and when lama god took the stage uh to open up for pantera and they were the drum set was getting tuned in and you could feel all the beats you, or your blood starts pumping in your in your in your veins and we're all sitting up there, people by the swag, and it was like prairie dogs all turning and looking in sequence, like oh, they're coming, it's time to get down to our seats. <laughs> and you could hear the Viking bullhorns go and brrr, and it was like a charge for your seats, man. It was you got down there and the moment they came out, the crowd erupted and the roar of metalheads in the thousands filled the arena and they hit their notes and they played their tunes and they pumped it up, but you could tell they held back a little bit because they weren't the headliners tonight, man. They were just trying to prime us up and get that <laughs> blood pumping and get us all energized and ready. So of course the best way for Llama God to end a setup for Pantera was of course, to play their song redneck, which is the song where we always, always end up p- forming a circle pit on the floor. Oh gosh! And that circle pit, that circle pit gets moving, and bodies are swinging and flowing, and you can tell that it's just going to be a good night because it is just everybody's <laughs> just getting jacked, man.
0: Derek, so. you, Derek, you and I are way too old to be getting involved in a mosh pit.
1: You know what? It was great because when Pantera took the stage, of course, Bill had to obviously start it with you know a good. You know, fair, fair. You know, word of advertisement to everyone that every note, every song we play tonight, every every bang of someone's head, every set of horns in the air, were dedicated tonight to, of course, Vince and Dimebag, Daryl Abbott. Um, you know, being that they're they're gone and and away from us, so rest in peace to both of them. And you know what, everyone just got jacked from that point, and we were like, you know what. I think it almost made people hit it that much harder. But when when Phil was playing, he had to make an announcement before a couple of songs where you know people don't know who Pantera is, and he was talking about Metallica concerts. it's like when Metallica fans don't know who this Pantera is until they start playing a song, and of course that's the song "Walk," and the moment those first notes hit, everyone knows who Pantera is. Madonna, and 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 it was. It was great because he even said, you know, like, this is for all you old retire moshies. It's time to come out of retirement (laughs) and show these new kids, these young kids, how we did it in the day. And to teach, you know, these young kids and every young kid in here, find the nearest old mosher and the old guy around here. And you pay attention. You learn the words and you learn the rhythm and you learn how to do this. And we hit it off and we hit it good.
0: Uh, The last time I was in a mosh pit, it was against my will. I was at a Wu-Tang Clan concert, and a mosh pit started around me, which was somewhat alarming. The last time I was voluntarily in a mosh pit was in the summer of 2009. I uh, lost my cell phone at a Flogging Molly's concert, never to be found again. I still wonder where that Motorola Razor is. Uh, Derek, I want to talk more about the general culture of metal, because it sounds like this was perhaps a little bit of a celebration of the history of Pantera in conjunction with trying to bring some new people into the temple. And that's one of the things that struck me about metal in general. It's a subculture. It's a subculture of music, and there's subcultures within the subculture. But if there's one thing I've noted about metal over the years, goodness gracious, is it all about community and connecting the generations
1: it is it's phenomenal to think about it like when you look back on the history of metal and it's starting back in the 60s with like Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and you hear that now and a lot of people just think well that's not really a metal that's that's more of like a light rock but that's where you know that's where things have kind of come through through history and that's where we started and as you go through the ages it generally graduates to Alice Cooper's and Iron Maiden's And, uh, you know, and then you have Judas Priests and then slowly things pick up and all the subcultures and all the subgenres start taking off and you move into thrash metal and you get the big heavy four hitters of Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth. Uh, You know, you you get big bands like that hitting it in there and Metallica and involved with them as well. And then you start breaking into Viking metals and you get Amon Marth hitting that one up. You get death metals like Cannibal Corpse And it it really breaks off and it really picks up and you have the different subcultures and it really is, it doesn't matter to what kind of show you're into or what kind of metal you're into. You could have cannibal corpse opening for Slayer and one doesn't like the other, but when you're in that environment, in that community, you guys are like family. It's a brotherhood. It doesn't matter when you're in a mosh pit, you see people and, and and people are afraid of mosh pits, let's get that straight first of all, because people go, Why would somebody go to a concert? Why would you want to get involved in that violent and, and get hit and punched? And it's and it's funny because you watch people that come to the show for the first time and they see a pit in action and people are helping people up and they're clapping them on the shoulders and they're 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 giving them a good time and high fives after all that, you know, people look at it as violence, but you know, like moshing started in the late 70s at punk rock shows, and it's become a more and more extreme form of dancing. And that's really what it is. It's the type of dancing that happens at a metal show because nobody's going to foxtrot or, or, or do a <laughs> Charleston at a, at a metal concert. And nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to bump and grind at a metal concert because that's not wow. our type of music. It's headbanging. It's, you know, devil horns in the air and it's a mosh pit. And that is our extreme form of dancing. And when we do it, we do it with everything in us because that is what the music does. It's a complete release of your your inner feelings, your love of the music, per, who you are as a person. And yeah, sure, it may look like it's violent, but it is like the camaraderie and brotherhood of like Vikings going into battle and to war. And watching your fellow man, you know, take an arrow in the chest, but helping him pull it out, picking him up, and getting back in there and going at him That's exactly what a mosh is like for me. Well, Derek,
0: I'm glad you had a good time. Have a lovely day. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Sounds great, Dave. Thank you. That's Derek Lackey, community reporter in Winnipeg. Pantera, by the way, still on tour across North America. February 26th in Toronto. February 27th in Quebec City, I believe. uh, Big Bruce Baclarian down the hall in the control room is headed to that Toronto show. So uh, looking forward to getting his review behind the scenes. Pantera.com slash tour to learn more. In 60 seconds, Laura Bain will move away from metal and back to some rock and role of the Beatles variety in the entertainment report. But first, more companies are creating AI-generated videos. Mike Dabuski has the story in Tech Trends.
2: OpenAI's artificial intelligence tools can already generate writing and imagery, so video was never going to be that far behind, says TrueMedia.org founder Orin Etzioni.
0: Sora is very simply a magical program where you type in text and out comes a video that corresponds to your text.
2: Sora uses OpenAI's large language model to generate ultra-realistic videos, but NYU professor and AI expert Gary Marcus says it's still imperfect. Perfect. If you look carefully, there are often problems, but if it's a short little video, you might be able to fool somebody pretty easily. Which is why, he says, it's raising disinformation concerns. It's making the whole process of deep faking easier. It's making so you don't need any technical skills to make a fake video that looks like almost anything you want. OpenAI is not yet releasing Sora to the public. Right now, it says outside researchers are looking at ways it could be misused. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Debusky ABC News.
0: Thank you very much, Mike. The number one film at the North American box office is the Bob Marley biopic and Laura Bain in Entertainment Today. It looks like some more famous musicians are going to be getting some biopic love
3: yeah that's right it's been announced that each of the four Beatles will be the subject of their own upcoming biopic Uh, and these will all be directed by sir sam mendes now apparently when you have a series of four it's called a tetralogy okay i didn't know that word uh tetralogy instead of a a
0: trilogy i would have gone quadralogy but that's just me
3: yeah i think i would have i would have as well but um you know dave we talked about the beatles yesterday but to kind of get us in the mood for this story just because I, I think there's something sort of amusing about bringing two beatles clips <laughs> to the entertainment report two days in a row uh, we've got a little sergeant pepper's heart club a uh, lonely heart club band to listen to So that album of course inspired its own musical comedy film back in nineteen seventy eight. I don't know if you've seen that before, Dave, starring the Bee Gees, Peter Frampton and Steve Martin.
0: No, was, I no, uh, I haven't seen it
3: pretty bad apparently it okay. was a real flaw but we should <laughs> <laughs> we should expect more from these upcoming biopics uh we have paul and ringo each signing off on the project as have the families of john and george and the reason that that is uh so significant is because that's never happened before where there's been this kind of level of buy-in from the band members or their fam and their families and that includes granting music rights so uh, of course it would be yeah. probably some pretty crummy films that we didn't have access to oh. the music
0: yeah you can't you can't do these beatles biopics without music access and i I wonder if maybe that's why it's taken so long to actually get this done because the beatles catalog has been owned by so many different people over the last 30 40 years
3: yeah i i I think probably now folks are gonna have to wait a little while to see these films because they're not being released until 2027
0: okay mark my calendar.
3: Yeah, mark your calendar now. Sony has teased that these are going to have an innovative release cal uh, cadence to these four films, but no further details. I-, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but any speculations on what an innovative release cadence could mean?
0: I-, I I wonder if it's just a particular order, right? That they say, hey, we're going to be releasing these in four consecutive months, rather than saying, okay, here's the release, and now you've got to wait a year for the next release. I wonder if it's sort of the first Friday of the month, the new Beatles, uh, the new Beatles biopic drops. So you got your taste of John. Now it's time for some Paul, and here's some George. And finally, Ringo gets his own boring movie.
3: Yeah, well, I don't want to throw throwing some shade on Ringo there. I, do, I don't know. I don't know how innovative that sounds, but I can't really think of anything myself. I did hear, uh, I read something today about, uh, you know, dark side of the moon style. Did maybe they sync up. I don't think that's going to happen, okay. but that would certainly be an innovative <laughs> oh, release cadence.
0: Definitely. I love it when um, these marketing professionals just create nonsense expressions that mean nothing. Yeah, release cadence. No one's ever used this expression before.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um but you know, it's sort of an interesting choice to go ahead and make one about each beetle, of course, rather than making one big biopic. And each one is going to be from the point of view from the point of view of a beetle. So that will be interesting for me to see kind Ooh. of how they how they sync up. But I'm wondering if one of these four films sort of jumps out at you, or if there's one that you're going to be more likely to watch, I guess I'm sort of asking ooh. you your favorite Beatle in a uh, roundabout way.
0: Ooh, I, you know, you are asking me my favorite Beatle in a certain way, but but I think you're also asking the question of what makes for the most interesting story. Because I would say in terms of favorite Beatle, I waver between George and Paul. I, I think some of the work that Paul did post-Beatles is quite interesting and good. Uh, Band on the Run, Paul McCartney and Wings, is actually probably as good as any individual Beatles record. So so I I would say Paul is my favorite Beatle. I don't know if Paul's the story that I'm most interested in. It's probably John. I I just think with the assassination, and I think with a lot of the work that he did in regards to world peace and sit-ins, and a lot of his underlying belief system, probably makes for the most interesting movie
3: yeah for sure well that was that was what I was kind of thinking you know and I thought I was being a little bit basic by saying John so I'm glad that you're with there with me there on that Um, but I guess I I think there's still something about him that still resonates and there's still sort of a bit of an artist or or poet mystique around John in his life so that's probably the one that I'll be most curious about and and George because I think there's just not as much kind of out there about George and I don't know I'm not going to throw any shade on Ringo I I think he's Said uh, you've done a lot i knew him as a station master in shining time station that's an interesting chapter don't you think
0: i don't know if you're gonna tell me i get to compare the biopic of the guy who wrote here comes the sun versus the guy who wrote uh, i'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden i think i know where i'm gonna land laura laura thank you for this have a lovely day
3: yeah, thanks so much, Dave. You as well.
0: <clears throat> That's Laura Bain at the Entertainment Desk. Coming up after the break, what happens to an athlete, specifically a para athlete, when it's time to transition away from a career in para sports? Brock Richardson will share his perspective. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. Heading out the door with a little more Beatles for you, spunk <laughs>